The Incomparable Podcast, number 56, September 2011. We're back on The Incomparable Podcast. I'm Jason Snell. This is one of those Flash podcasts. By Flash, I mean um, we don't edit it and we just record a Skype conversation and it saves me a lot of work. (laughs) Anyway, we're here to talk about the two most recent episodes of the BBC's Doctor Who, Season 6, Part 2. The episodes in question are Night Terrors and The Girl Who Waited, which have aired over the last two weeks. Joining me today to discuss these two episodes, at least for now joining me, are Glenn Fleischman. Hi, Glenn. I've been recording this for 36 years, six months and three days, and finally you call on me? You took the slower path, I see. Uh, Don't ever press the red waterfall. I'm telling you. It's a Joe Haldeman path. Uh, Scott McNulty is also here. Hi, Scott. Hello. Let me take off my gloves so I can see you all. Mm. And John Syracuse is also present. I am in the correct time screen, as always. <laughs> now, now, actually, we, we joke about this, but two members of our panel did press the uh, the red waterfall. And, right, it's the, red, it's the green anchor and the red waterfall, right? <laughs> That's that familiar. Correct. Na- yes. Nautically themed, as all hospitals are, apparently. <laughs> yes. So, in so, the universe. so Dan Morin and Serenity Caldwell pressed the red waterfall and are lost to us in an alternate time stream, at least for now. They're out of sync with us in terms of time, which is our way of saying they're late. So, um, two episodes, um, interesting standalone episodes, which is kind of nice to see, I think, after so many arc heavy episodes this season. Um, who would like to talk about last week's episode, Night Terrors, in which a, a young child calls for the doctor because he's got monsters in his room and his uh, his calls are answered? Glenn? I thought it was, I thought it was a classic, um, you know, quirky doctor, you know everything's going to turn out all right in the end and no one's going to die sort of episode, which is how, spoiler, it did. Uh, it had the it had that air of, uh, I mean, because there's the episodes in which things go really awry and the doctor has to set things right. And if he does not, people, people have already died, terrible things happen and so forth. And a lot of those tend to be the mythology episodes. And you have these kind of like quirky, funny ones in which lots of terrifying things happen, but you sort of know it's more like a fairy tale. And that's what the category this fit in and um i don't know i thought i thought it was fun it was a little more like an older doctor who it didn't have the feeling of the newer episodes as much and it was a little more um you know horror oriented which i i think the new series is much more about than the old series were um it's sort of a trademark but i never got the full creepy like giant dolls walking around and so forth it never really got up my spine um and i thought the central mystery was a little thin like often there's multiple stories running in a good show of any kind any kind of drama or comedy there's you know a b and sometimes c and d plot lines and i felt there was sort of like an a line here and one central mystery once that was sorted out it was like okay how do we put all the pieces in place but as a parent i did have you always get that gnawing in your soul when you see a child, you know, in harm's way and you're always delighted to see parents step up to the plate and do the thing that's right for their children because they have such love for their little boy or girl. So that's what I thought about it. The dad, right. In the end, it's the dad's job to, to say, but of course I love you and I would never want you to go away. And, and he, he's the one who has to make that statement. The doctor can't save the little boy in the end. Yeah, the dad I wasn't prepared it. for exactly that moment. And I was like, oh, that is unutterably sweet. Even if the rest of the episode wasn't, didn't necessarily live up to potential. It was kind of fun. But that one moment I was like, 
oh, just them running down and grabbing his child is just, you know, that's, you know, if we remember, if we can, bar- if we can go back to uh, the Christopher Eccleston doctor, we, that's a direct echo of the Doctor Dances episode, the two-parter, which we meet Captain Jack, and they're back in World War II, and all these people are turning into bizarre uh, gas mask wearing things, yeah. And at the end, it's the the young woman who has a child out of wedlock embraces her sort of transformed child and says, "Yes, I am your mummy." And that that act of love is the transformative act. They're kind of saps at Doctor Who in some way, and I kind of like that sort of thing. Yeah. Well, the Doctor dances was much better episodes, though. I think. <laughs> yes, I totally agree. Yes. Yeah, because there were like five things going on. They actually resolved and, and used them all in interesting ways. They were not thin. Exactly. This was kind of a one note. Ooh, look, creepy dolls. Oh, the boy is actually an alien. Uh, everybody loves you. The end. It was more like, oh, the boy's an alien. Is he? I guess. I mean, he yeah. doesn't do anything. He doesn't glow or anything. He's just a boy who they say, well, he's an alien, but he's a boy now. But he was an alien, but he's not now. Until oh. he's a teenager. Wait, wait for those teenage years, though. They spent all the budget on the uh, dolls, so... Apparently. <laughs> yeah, these are – this and the uh, last week's episode and this week's episode are the – I think we blew too much money early in this already this season and we're saving up for stuff later. Did um did it seem to you guys that the um, – well, first off, they're the dolls, right, which were which were weird and, and, and I didn't think were particularly scary, um, especially since they don't really do anything except follow you around and occasionally – Turn you into a doll. Um, you get knocked over really easy. Yeah, it did. I, I I didn't feel a lot of of jeopardy from them. And then and then it didn't. It also seem to you that there was a whole lot put into the idea that you were going to be shocked when you discovered that Rory and Amy were inside a dollhouse in his closet. When I just sort of never thought that was a surprise, and I thought them running around in the dollhouse was kind of boring. Yep. Yeah. A horrifying surprise. Oh, no, we're in a dollhouse. No way. We've been, we've so been shrunk so in a dollhouse. A dollhouse. Yeah. You're being chased by giant dolls, and you showed us a dollhouse in the closet. I couldn't put two and two together. Yeah, and yet it seems sort of like the episode wants it to be a big revelation. And it's like, no, it's just a, it's dolls in a dollhouse. And that's that's all you got is, I mean, because I, like I, I like the tone. I like how it's dark and it's supposed to be scary and all that. But But I kept thinking to myself, is this... Is this it? Is this? Is there another level here? And other than the stuff with you know with a father, which even that seems sort of contrived. Like, well, we had a conversation once where I was worried we were going to have to send him away, and that is the motivation for this whole thing. It just, it, you know, it it felt on the surface like there was a really great episode here, and then I just kept thinking, really, that's it. That's that's as deep as it's going to go. Yeah, you wanted the thing like they, you know, I kept waiting for Aslan to come out of the closet myself, but you keep waiting for, oh, sorry, uh, something else to come up. Um, like, you know, it's like, okay, there's some other, this is part of a bigger thing. Or, I mean, even if you look at like the sort of silly episode, uh, the David Tennant episode with the, um, the Puff and Fresh kids, what was that one called? The, um, the, uh, little, um, uh, Puff and Fresh kids. Do you know the I one with the episode. Avoir, the Avoir du Poix, the, um, they're, People's fat and uh, oh, yeah, the adipose. Uh, adipose. Thank you. Like even that. That was a silly episode. You have like people decomposing into little creatures and and weird stuff, and them running up and down corridors and whatever. That was you know same period of time. A lot more scenery and. 
not similar theme, I know, but it was sort of similarly like silly. It was sort of a ridiculous episode, but you had menace in it. You had some mythology brought in because Donna and the Doctor find each other again. That's incidental, but it's in there. It was such a rich thing. And I had trouble after this episode over. I was like, was this really a full-length episode? This felt like a 14-page comic book of Doctor Who. So enjoyable, but... You know, I was like, this is like a 15-minute serial thing. It's not like a, you know, full 40-plus minute entry in the in the canon. All right, John, what about you? You know what? When I saw your email go out of, of what we were going to be talking about tonight, I panicked. I'm like, did I miss an app? What the <laughs> heck is he talking about this Night Terrors thing? The, the episode was so forgettable, I had literally forgotten that I had seen it. <laughs> it was, and I, I went to the Wikipedia page, and I said, oh, yeah, I did. Right. Uh, yeah, well, I thought they were – I mean, uh, like Jason said, it was shot really well, and I liked – they set up this atmosphere, and, you know, they were really trying to be creepy, but it just was not creepy. It was not creepy. And just also, the, I was thinking that Halloween-quality full head masks are to Doctor Who, like forehead makeup is to Star Trek. Uh, uh, like, I don't – they just go – they love the big head. Big heads. You no, know, that's the way to do the makeup. Just take take some giant mask, put it over the head of an actor, and have him walk slowly. And the, the head mask can look like very – I don't know. I, it was not creepy. It was not scary. Big thumbs down. Yeah, you know, I didn't even rewatch the episode. I saw it last week, and I watched the, the new episode twice today, in fact. I watched it the second time because I wanted to see – I wanted to get more of the subtlety of it, and I'll watch it again. And that episode, the the – the um, girl who waited, I'll watch. I will watch that again. I'll probably watch that again and again over years. But this one, I don't think I will ever, ever flip on again. So all all of that agreed to by me, and yet I will I will now bring in an opposing viewpoint, which is that my um, my freshly turned seven year old son watched this episode with us and was absolutely terrified. Oh, wow. Okay. So scares little children. So, you know, part of, and, and, and as adults, we look at this and we say, well, you know, it really wasn't that good. Um, part of what Dr. Who is made for is not for us, right? It is to scare little children that that's actually one of the things it's supposed to do. And I have to say it did that. It, it was, it was scary. My daughter thought it was scary. My son thought it was terrifying and basically said, if the, they're going to be that scary anymore, I don't want to watch Doctor Who anymore because it was too scary for me, and no. I'm afraid of the dolls. So no, are though lots of things scary. Although, although I think I think the music actually scared him more than anything else because he's very sensitive to sort of music cues that are of scary things. But whatever, it 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 did the job there. So. Now I will point out, Jason's son and my older son are born on exactly the same day and year. And my son, uh, we had a hard time getting him to watch Winnie the Pooh a couple years ago. <laughs> so if he watched this episode, he would never sleep again. So he is not Doctor Who is like a when he's forty-two. I might be able to get him to watch it. Good. Little anxiety about that kind of thing. We'll have a lot of episodes backed up by that. Exactly. He'll watch the four thousand episodes on his neural implant then all at once in five seconds. Winnie the Pooh is terrifying. <laughs> it's true. Those bees, goddammit. Yeah, it, and it's you know again the the atmosphere. I don't want to beat this episode to death like we did with the pirates, but the the atmosphere. Well, let's, dig, let's dig it out in the alley. The atmosphere let's... was good. Well, the alley is where there's the big uh, pile of garbage cans that the old lady gets sucked into. Ooh, garbage bags. True. And I thought that could be more terrifying. It's like that the garbage bag sucked her in, and then she got spat. It didn't out. really make a lot of sense. And... No. No. And they I think were British shows always have to have an old lady. Is that the rule? 
Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Well, there's a lot that's, of actor, older actors who need work, and the government makes yeah. sure that they're employed. It's true. That's, that's called that's socialism. The, that's, socialism. That's the, the miss. That's the Miss Marple rule. It's the Miss Marple rule. I I don't. I, I just it, that socialism. didn't make any sense. Again, it was it Full was all the all the things you expect to see in a, a creepy story, and and it's meant to be scary. And the music's scary, and something happens. Except it was kind of randomly placed, and and you know. It didn't hold together to me, and and wait, don't forget the great line though. There is one great line in this, and say it, Jason. You know what it is? We're dead again. again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, the, we're already feeling like they're actually both dead, and all of that. That you know, there was some, there were some. Those were nice moments, but yeah, I it didn't do it for me at all. It was, it was a, a real. I don't think it was bad. Like I think. The pirate episode was bad. Oh, the, the pirate, pirate episode bad. gets more uh, of our. Uh hate because the pirate episode had like a bigger budget and they had pirates which you can do something with and they had <laughs> sets and this was just like they had pirates know. and an alien spaceship this had an yeah. apartment building so this this at least didn't squander its potential it really had none <laughs> and i think that the the doctor and the the father had nice moments i always enjoy when the doctor is trying to explain to people who do not know who he is what he is and what he does i always find that Fascinating. Yeah, in the guise of being from like the government. <laughs> right, exactly. And then he's like, wait, so is, you're like not from thing, social services. I like the thing, it's like look into my eyes and you're like, that's uh that's actually it's not exactly a callback, but that's a Hitchhiker's Guide moment. There's that bit where Ford Prefect looks at the barman before the earth is blown up and he emits moment. a a bit of um angst about being away from home and it says like there's us every creature in the universe emits a subliminal signal in times of stress that indicates precisely how far they are away from where they're born. But in the earth you can never be very far away, but he was from Beetlejuice, so he looked at the barman and the barman felt every inch of the however many light years he was and believed him. And I thought that was that same little look into my eyes. These eyes have seen many things. All right. I guess we should speak no more about this episode then. Well, I have one more thing. Oh, yes. Oh. One, one more complaint. Oh, they, excellent. Oh. Let's I get them all out. A good thing. You remember when we were stuck in that rut where at the end of every episode the, the doctor had to look at the screen with the pregnant, not pregnant. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, so yeah. this now the new thing is at the end of every episode he has to look at the screen and see his little death date card yeah. from from the archives. Uh, the screen, which miraculously the camera can see, the doctor can see, we can see, but the people standing two feet to his left cannot see for some reason. What are you looking at? He, I don't has, he has a privacy right? shield on it. It's lenticular it distortion. Yeah. So, so here's a funny yeah. thing about that episode is it was shot as part of the first block of the series along with the Neil Gaiman episode. And then they delayed it, I think, because they're they're basically both episodes where people run around dark corridors. I mean, really? <laughs> and, and I... I suspect maybe that scene was really written to have it be the Amy pregnant, not pregnant. And then they had to change it in order it's to move it. interchangeable. Like, basically, you just uh, have to yeah. end the episode with the doctor seeing a screen that no one else can see, even though they're standing yeah. right next to him. Well, What's on the screen can change. It also explains why Amy and Rory don't spend any time dwelling on the fact that they just discovered all these things about their daughter, who they grew up with now, and yeah. it's now River Song. That's sort of like, we, we don't they're even so think about that. So... So, which I like from a standalone perspective, and I don't like in the sense that it did feel awfully jarring. Because if if we're going to spend every episode dwelling on, oh wow, he's going to die, but we can't tell him, why wouldn't we spend any time dwelling on the fact that you know our little baby that we just had is never going to grow up with us uh, as their parents because of time travel and yada yada yada? It just seems really weird that they would do that with the one thing and not the other. Now we, we've used our our TARDIS to move 
across time streams or something like that. We've gone from the Green Anchor to the Red Waterfall. Uh, so now I want to ask the members of our Red Waterfall contingent, Dan and Ren, who don't know what we think here in the Green Anchor. <laughs> it's like a double blind about oh. About the Night Terrors episode, what they thought of, uh, of Night Terrors before we move on. And we will tell them if their yes. opinion is correct. <laughs> or will wow. we? Dan, Ren, what did you think of uh, of Night Terrors, Mark Gatiss' episode? You I'm... know... Go ahead. Simultaneously. I... <laughs> Speak together simultaneously. <laughs> One word or another. No, I, I actually... I decently liked the episode, and I thought it was just creepy enough, and it was kind of a fun standalone. Uh, my only question was I was unsure about the how the, the alien kids... Because it was all in his mind, right, or something along those lines, where he was he was turning these things into big bads, and I'm like, well, if he's if he's turning, you know, if he's making all of this, why can't he shut it off? And what did the doctor really do? That's the magic, you know? Was it really just the parents had to say, oh yes, we love you, we're not going to leave you, and then all of them go away? Like I was very confused by that. But that that problem with it aside, I thought it was actually quite fun and quite spooky. I really liked it <laughs> i guess i'm in the minority here um i i thought that there was something effectively atmospheric about uh, a lot of it i liked the the interior of the house and i liked that it was a puzzle that i didn't um i didn't entirely figure out um really? as it was going on i mean i started to get clues and i started to make sort of assumptions based on what i thought was going on and yeah some of it comes out as a bit of a um, you know, a backfill in terms of, oh, yeah, he's this alien kid or whatever. And, and and that was the part of it I did not like as much. But the atmospheric part in the beginning where you're trying to figure out what's going on, I love the doctors back and forth about trying to decide whether or not to open the cupboard, um, <laughs> where he's just kind of arguing back and forth. Oh, don't open the cupboard. No, what? Well, you have to open the cupboard. You know, like I thought the, the, the rapport there between him and the father was really was really funny. At any um, point, were you um, surprised or shocked at the, about the fact that they were in a dollhouse? No, really? that did no. not. No, that did not. That I, you know, I picked up on that one pretty, yeah. pretty quickly. Okay. But I was okay with, I mean, you know, why, you know, that was still up in the air. Um, I, I liked the kid. I thought he was, he was sufficiently cute. The kid was, yeah, sufficiently um, creepy and sufficiently cute. <laughs> you know, I, I love the setting too. I just enjoy them walking around the town, the council blocks at night trying to figure out, you know, what the hell is going on. Um, I don't know. I mean, it wasn't, you know, it, it certainly was not the the best episode of Doctor Who, but I thought that stacked up against a lot of the stuff again from the first half of the season. Pirates. Um, I thought it beat the pants off pirates. <laughs> um, and, you know, a lot of the, the, the confusing back and forth with some of the other episodes in there, I, I thought it was better than that. And I really, really do feel like the, the second half of the season has been superior to the first. But um, I, can, I can see why, uh, knowing the proclivities of many of my fellow uh, esteemed panel members, <laughs> Why they wouldn't like it, Glenn, John, even Scott. J- even Jason didn't like it. it it's like yeah, Jason's very critical too. I, it, I, I think the <laughs> red, true. I think the red waterfall got a totally different episode than the green anchor. I, it must have been different. <laughs> I mean, okay, we were focusing more on personality and atmosphere than actual minutia well, so, of plot. <laughs> so since you guys didn't hear what we said, sophisticated um, stuff over on saying. the green anchor side, um, I think I think there was some agreement that there was some atmosphere. The problem was that that any analysis of what was going on beyond the atmosphere led to kind of a really what huh you know sometimes i feel like you just shouldn't analyze doctor who and should just enjoy well, it as a scary. it's like watching that's all a, there is it's the story in that episode yeah, it's but this one, one wasn't episode. scary 
No, I, I was scary. Well, it was son, a little bit scary. It scared my mm. seven-year-old son, but I, uh, I, I, I wasn't friend. applying a lot of deep analysis to it. I was like, really? So the lady has been eaten by trash bags, and he, the kid's an alien, but we never see him really do anything alien. But yeah, he's an alien. Well, but he's supposed to, he's he's supposed a, to he's meld into society, right? He's not supposed oh, to be alien-like. And he does. I feel he like there was another episode of some other show like that. Trying to remember. I feel like there's a Star Trek episode or something where there's he like feels... a kid who everybody like who alters yep. all reality around him, isn't there? Yes. There's there's the, like he a, uh, takes over Jonathan Frick's Char- life because he needs a father and he's stuck in some. Oh, see, I thought he was plan. going for Charlie X oh, what's from the... the original. Oh, yeah. original series. Yeah. I was thinking Next Generation. Too. No, the Next Generation too. I mean, where you know, but Jonathan there is there is wakes up uh, and thinks it's uh, right. Not Jonathan, the kid's you know, got like, it's like a space bore. I I don't know. I just I I sat there thinking. Yeah, they're dolls. They're not that creepy, and they don't—they're not dolls. that threatening because they turn you into dolls. But they turn Amy into a doll, and so you know that it's Amy uh, doll is creepy. It's not permanent, and there's no so so it did it just didn't work at all. Wait, what's on that the level. boy doing playing with dolls? That's the unanswered question. Wow. Uh-huh. Okay, let's not let's not oh, be so an alien. You know, it's the future. Come on. It's the future. Come on. That wasn't the future. That, that, was, the that, was, the future. that was a council flat. Yeah. Okay. Or, it felt that, like, or, or the, the it future really kind sucks. Of, it felt, it, yeah. Clearly, I don't know. Advanced, clearly garbage. BBC Red Waterfall has a better budget than BBC Green. Yeah. <laughs> That's all there is to it. It's it I was just enjoying it was just, the, the delight. Red Waterfall of, lives you know, in the moment. It expanded <laughs> yes. the five minutes of the episode that it felt like to us to a full 40 minutes. Yeah. They just, oh, wow. they just ran around and in the dollhouse and, dollhouse. and then they would I, you know, get trapped I, I and then they would run away I, again. And Unlike unlike some of the earlier episodes, and I'll point fingers at Pirates again, there was at no point in this episode I felt like bored. Oh, well, honestly. Dan, and we, the other we ones, agree. I was like, yeah, let me just check Twitter while I'm watching this, whatever. And this one, I felt, I felt kind of wrapped. The Pirates you know? was not as good as. That's a low point for maybe. Yeah, in this season. It's not Stephen Moffat. I think I, think I enjoyed Pirates more. Oh, oh, oh my God. John, I don't I, I don't think that. Pirates was a better episode, but I think I think I enjoyed it more. Mostly because well, of like, oh, look, they're on a pirate ship and, and like got a sword. Don't, don't get me wrong. I just don't get me wrong. I dislike both of them strongly. I'm just saying uh, if I had to choose which one I, if you made me watch one of them again, which one would I choose? Okay. So if one of the episodes was outside of the TARDIS, well you're yes, inside of the other. I would agree uh, I would agree that Doctor Who Pirates was better than the Walter Matthau Pirates. I will agree with that. <laughs> but not better than Gilbert and Sullivan Pirates. Or Pilates. Pilates is better than that Pirates episode. <laughs> oh, of course. Pirates? Pirates. Yeah. Oh, no. right. That's a great workout, by the way. It really works your R. <laughs> okay, and on that note, I'm going to press the red button at the bottom because who wouldn't press the red button? And we're going to switch back out of this time stream and, uh, and, and move over to the other episode. Let's move on to the most recent episode of Doctor Who, which is The Girl Who Waited. Yes. What'd you think? Can I get my premise complaining out of the way first so you can talk about the meat of the episode without it? I usually, if I have lots of negative things to say, I like to save you for last to see if I can guess the negative things you're going okay, to say. Okay, go for it. Go but for it. I don't, but I don't have a lot of negative things to oh, say about don't. this episode, so I would like you to get it all out now. This is mostly just premise whining, so yeah, and, and possibly confusing. So and the the, the uh, scholarly wisdom of Glenn will educate me about what I was missing in this episode. <laughs> I right? did maybe. watch it. I did watch it twice. Yes. Exactly. So maybe it really was as dumb as I thought, or maybe I just missed something entirely. So all right, so, scholarly. 
two, but, yeah, two the viewings. Fir- the first business, all right? So there's a disease on this planet, all right? This Chen 7 thing. Uh, it only affects people with two hearts. Uh, and if the doctor gets it, he'll die and he can't regenerate. Right. Why? Because that increases jeopardy in well, the story. Uh, well, and also because they um, this is the Dr. Light episode and they needed him to stay on the TARDIS set so they could shoot him in a day and then have him go do the, uh, right. so the next bo- episode. That bothers me. It's a little <laughs> bit of that. I want to see the behind the scenes things. All right. So yeah. the two rooms thing. The, the explanation they eventually come to in the two rooms is that you've got the disease people. they got 24 hours to live. So what you do is you take the people with the disease, you put them in a different time stream so that 24 hours for the people where they came from is like their lifetime. And then you can see each other through the hourglass thing. So then you can say, oh, our poor daughter, she had the disease, but she went to the other time stream. And now we can look at her and we can watch her live her entire life and she'll have a full and healthy life. So, you know, our daughter doesn't die in 24 hours instead she has a full life now if you take someone who has a disease is going to kill them for hours and you put them in a different time stream doesn't don't they still die in 24 hours do the germs stick to the rules of the old time stream the germs say oh my god well you know we're we're germs from the old time stream i know you're in a new time stream where you're going to live for a lifetime but we're going to honor the rules of the old time stream. makes wouldn't, no freaking sense work the, totally it, missing something. wouldn't work the opposite way that what you do is you'd have it doesn't make any sense, no. It well, doesn't, I can't figure it out. I, I, no, I was, there was a central conceit that was missing because there was – is the doctor says, oh, she hadn't eaten for a week because she wasn't hungry. And he said, oh, her time is compressed. Serenity Caldwell has joined us, by the way. She has come back from the, the, the waterfall. Um, we were You were going to say? Okay. So from what I could tell, the Red Waterfall multiple time streams are not actually, you know, 99 years worth of time stream. It is 24 hours. It's just – the perception of how time passes is lengthened. At least what I like where it was just it's it's an outward effect that makes the body I assume the disease is something that makes the body age and then that it's just a twenty four hour sort of perception filter. That she said she'd the been there for a week age. though. I know. But I'm saying maybe and then she was oh, there yeah, for forty years. I don't if her know. body ages and gets wrinkly, wouldn't the disease progress and kill them in twenty four hours? Yeah. Well, I was uh, my my initial sort of thought was, oh, the disease just makes them age rapidly. But Amy doesn't have the disease, so I don't know. I, uh, I'm just going with weird time perception filter that also makes them age, but is I mean, not I, actually time. Again, I don't want to harp on the premise because they just want to set up a situation <laughs> that will let them have the actual story, right? Yes. But, but they like I complain when they don't do a good job explaining their their setup, and they just it was just even worse. And the final thing was those doctor things that kill you. Like, worst doctor robots ever. I mean, don't they adjust dosages for infants and stuff? They can't tell. This is a different species. Oh, well, medicate it. I mean, that's not Maybe, well, There are I many assume, things wrong with those robots. National yeah. health. So many. I, I assume that the, that the planet is – I mean, they say in the beginning that the planet is quarantined. So in theory that there wouldn't be any kind of alien life landing on it. So I imagine that those robots were programmed basically as soon as the thing was quarantined and – you know, yes, yes, only, yes. only, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm over explaining something that they didn't explain properly and I'm guesstimating but, and it's still a I, failure on the episode, but I am okay. still confused as to why anyone who is designing a robot would say, okay, let's give it some sensors, but we'll only put them in their hands. Budget cuts. It's, yeah, it's <laughs> it so just, the doctor can have something to explain. They did a lot of quick explanations of things that are essential. They just like I've got two sentences to explain this major plot point, so we can move on to the real story. And there were several of those, including why this thing has no face, why <laughs> everything is all white, why they have different time streams. What I mean, 
they talk about there was a money. lot of they saved a lot of money on this thing with you know just a bucket of white paint and, and a novelty magnifying glass from like the, the sign outside I the detective agency. The yeah. the thing that got me though, I really, I actually really loved the um, emotional and content and structure of the episode. But the thing that got me was the sort of um, the uh, the issue that all the people who are in quarantine were living separate lives. And I'm like, well, they're all going to die, and they all have the plague. Why don't you all put them together so they can share this 40 years or whatever they're going to get together instead of giving them isolated lonely lives unless i'm confused and they were, were all together except amy because she had but they were talking about maintaining all of these separate time streams for everyone individually yeah there were, were separate time streams and i think the idea was you were supposed to use like the you know the the holodeck basically to entertain yourself it it it, it reminded me of um the tv show farscape in the sense mm. that mm. they would have these bizarre Things that oftentimes in Farscape you'd also see it in the middle of the action, and and they would kind of mention that this was the setup, and it was very clearly the message was just it's weird, and this is what you, they have to do, and we're not going to explain why. And I felt like there was enough hand waving here that your your brain starts to try and grab onto it and be like, well, why? Why is this happening? Instead of you know. And then you have that choice of trying to make sense of it or saying, all right, well, it's kind of cool. There's all well, these white rooms and there are two different time streams and it's weird. And then there's a story because you know, what, I, I enjoyed the episode actually quite a lot, but I, I completely agree. And I, I figured this is how it would go, actually, that well, with thought, John, yeah. that, that it didn't make any sense. The the setup didn't really just it, it doesn't compute. I, I thought this was a showrunner problem because any of the four of us could have come up with a very simple Doctor Who consistent explanation that would have been like I don't know like well oh and the you know the disease progresses normally but there's a technique where if you you know the, the temporal energy flux allows them but they have to be kept separate and maintained through these separate paradox engines that would one be of the things I like about about Doctor Who is its attempt a lot of times to either not do technobabble or to simplify it to a ridiculous extent. Right. Like even in the very first episode of the reboot, um, uh, Christopher Eccleston says, it's it's a being of living plastic and I'm going to kill it. And Rose says, well, how are you going to do that? And he holds up a, a, a test tube and says, anti-plastic. <laughs> and that's it, right? And, and, and that's yeah. b- beautiful after all the crushing technobabble of some sci-fi TV shows. I, so I like that about it, that, that you know they are more inclined to find some super simplified way of saying, well, this is how it is. Right. Really fast in, a, in an English be, accent that I don't understand. And then we move on it could be, instead if we hold of them belaboring in their own time stream, it. If we hold them in their own time stream, the time energy lets them live 40 years. Well, you know what? You know, to be perfectly be honest, I wouldn't be surprised if that wasn't in the script originally and got uh, cut for time. Got cut. Right. Yeah. See, you know, the whole thing is that they, we know what they want to do in this episode. They want yeah. to have old Amy and new Amy. There's no reason to like overcomplicate it with a full Doctor Who's episode. Yeah. Jam it in so you can fit in a good solid 40 minutes of the story you want to tell. Give us a simple I'm, premise that gives us old Amy and new Amy and go with the show. They just spend a lot yeah, of time wheels like it wasn't that kind of episode because it's a beautiful is a beautiful episode and i think it's right i think the i think the mar is them trying to give us a framework but i was i mean i was really i was touched by this i, I was saying earlier i watched it twice today because i felt like i'd missed like the emotional nuance not the plot nuance as in some episodes 
Oh, I was just going to say, I've got to hand it to to Karen Gilliam here because, you know, she, she's been displaying some reserved acting chops throughout the, the first couple series, which we've all given her grief for. But the the nuances between old Amy and new Amy are actually really quite striking, especially on second viewing, just in terms of the way that her voice patterns work and the, the way she says things. It's very it's actually really, really impressive. Joining us now, um, again from the Red Waterfall, is Dan Morin. Hi, Dan. Thanks for joining us. You promised you'd save me, Jason. From your separate time stream. Is this 50-year-old Dan or 70-year-old Dan? I've lost track. <laughs> it's 90-year-old Dan. Is it wrinkly? Hey. <laughs> Waddles. Keep your hands to yourself. Waddles. Um, so uh, aside from the premise of The Girl Who Waited, I mean, I, I've heard some positive thoughts about it. I, I really I, – I did like it. Uh, um, I kept wanting to love it. And I, I'm not sure I got there. Um, I liked most of it. The, the premise, again, was just sort of like, all right, I'm just going to go with it after a while. And there was some part of the resolution where the doctor has Rory, like, plug things into slots and <laughs> do other kind of plugging of things in order to resolve Leverage. things with the robot. That's another thing from just a different like, kind of episode. Yeah. Like yeah. This one. It's it not seemed, that kind of episode. It seemed unnecessary. And, and, and that let me down a little bit. But but the character stuff and the, that that core premise of – you know, Amy, what happens if if you end up realizing that you missed Amy by 40 years and you've got the opportunity to erase all of that time, but she's lived it? That was great. And the whole interaction, you know, Karen Gillan, to, to Ren's point, I thought a really good performance from her um, in, in both parts, actually, to show some depth to Amy. The moment where she gets out her lipstick – and she's oh, seeing her husband she hasn't seen for 40 years and then just kind of is like, no, no, and puts it away. I mean, there's some just really great stuff at the heart of this episode if you can kind of get past the kind of weird, uh, I, weird I setup. Mean, I mean, but it's, you know, I think this is the, the sort of the central dilemma we've talked about with Doctor Who a lot, especially with the, the Stephen Moffat seasons is, is it, you know, science fiction or is it something else more like a fairy tale, you know, where things don't necessarily have to, you know, entirely make sense even i mean i you know you mentioned that plugging things in part and it's that didn't really bother me i thought well how are you going to resolve this ah, okay it's something ridiculous like that of course that's how you resolve this you don't go into like nitty-gritty technical science ideas hit details because no one cares i mean the, the the core of the story as you're saying is about the characters and and i you know along those lines i think you know adding saying nice things about arthur darville who i think rory has this season really come into his own especially in the last few episodes i think they've really sort of finally got to handle on what to do with him. And he gets off the best line in the episode, which is to my mind, which is to tell the doctor, you're turning me into you. Right. Which I think is the most damning thing to, you know, this is another one of those episodes where we get a look at the, the, the side of the doctor. That's not, uh, you know, saving everybody and helping everybody. Do Are people coming around to Rory? Are people becoming Rory fans? It I like really, I, I honestly yeah. starting, I think probably with, uh, especially the beginning of the two-parter, the one where th- that that scene he gets to come in and talk to all the Cybermen and kind of threaten them. I think starting there and and sort of moving forward in the last couple episodes, I have become increasingly a fan of him. But I think you know, I think he's finally gotten a place beyond just oh, is he sort of this foil? You know, is he sort of there just to provide a love triangle? Because uh, I think we've clearly gotten in the whole you know this episode especially we've gotten well past the love triangle, right? Thank God. Yeah. This is entirely about Rory and Amy's relationship, and Rory is the thing that brings her around. And I think that says once, and you know, certainly conclusively that this is these two 
have such a profound, meaningful relationship. And we get some really nice little flashback stuff in there too, right? Like, but I, a I, I'm still, haircut. I'm a little sick and tired of being constantly reminded that Rory and you know the, and Amy love each other. Okay, it's we get it. Of these universes <laughs> ever known, Scott. Well, you're amazing. I think they have man. to overbalance. <laughs> they have to overbalance from the beginning, where Rory just seemed annoying, and you're kind of like, wait, why is he she still with annoys me a little. Rory still, still seems yeah, he annoying. Still annoys. Yeah, I, I'm still, not, I, I can. He has his annoying moments. Oh, no, he's I not. They're they're writing but him better. No. They're giving him stuff to do, but his character still bothers me a little bit. Oh, I don't know. But but now he's more stand up. I mean, now he's you know he's the guy who waited two thousand years. He's the guy who you know tracked his wife down with the doctor's help across you know reaches of space. Or he's become a bit of a badass. He's also he's there's a little bit of annoying, but I actually the annoying has become kind of endearing because now you kind of see how it's shaping his character. And you like there's the part of Roy that's a little bit annoying, but the rest of him and the fact that he is pretty much a stand up, good hearted guy who just wants to you know do the best in things like that's. It's, it's a really interesting the way that they're showing off more of that. And I do think definitely in this episode, as you were mentioning, Dan, that, that last line, and in fact, the whole really the third act where he just is kind of horrified by the doctor's actions and the doctor pretty much shows no more remorse. I mean, that's a great character moment for Rory. Well, and he's, he's a total goofball. I mean, we've kind of all known that since the beginning, right? But at the same time, he shows off uh, something. We're all accustomed to thinking of the doctor as sort of, you know, the heroic kind he's the guy who swoops in and saves the day and whatever but especially when we're setting him up more and more with this sort of you know the, it was really seen with him that he has this darker side rory represents i think a more idealistic view of that of what good is rather than saying you know the doctor's the one who has to make the hard decisions and sometimes those decisions are like sort of you know ends justify the means but rory's there to provide sort of a counterpoint to the you know, you have to do the right thing angle. And maybe that's just the benefit of, you know, the doctors being 900 years old versus, you know, Rory. But I think it, it provides an interesting dynamic. These are two guys who are both trying to do the right thing, but, you know, they have markedly different approaches. In some the doctor ways. being 900 well. years old, whereas Rory's lived for 2,000 years, you mean? <laughs> <laughs> or has the immortal words of uh, Rick Moranis, I believe, good is dumb. <laughs> I was actually I, thinking that exact same quote. <laughs> oh, so I'm, uh, me and Scott are on the same wavelength tonight. Oh no! Only bad can come of this. I'm frightened. So I, I started out in the beginning complaining about premise stuff, which is silly, and we already sort of a actual complaint—not a complaint, but it's something I noticed about uh, the meat of this episode, the good part, right? The the young and the old Amy and all that business. So I'm starting to lose my grip on why these two are with the doctor, right? Because they talk about the thing is like, he says, well, I don't want to travel with you anymore. If that's a choice I have to make and you're turning me into you and so on and so forth. Like, did we have the kind of happy-go-lucky travels with the doctor episodes, which are one thing, but when these horrible things start happening, I would expect the happy-go-lucky travels with the doctor to be kind of, ha-ha, I'm insane. Like, I would expect living and traveling with the doctor to be affecting these people more profoundly and screwing them up. Because otherwise, why are they even with them? If they're still well-adjusted and they both love each other, go get a farmhouse somewhere and live a happy life on whatever planet because you want. Because if you had the option to travel with... Well, no, so that's the thing, right? So if you get to the... Like, no? It's an irresistible draw. We have to travel. But I, see, see these horrible it's danger. Danger is, danger is attractive. The thing no, I find no. interesting though about this is that this was in in you know in premise this was supposed to be a happy-go-lucky episode because the doctor prefaces it with you know sparkling waterfalls and things like he's basically saying i'm going to take you to a paradise planet after all of the other crap that we've been through but and he this said that in, 
almost every episode starts with, okay, now we're going to go to a fantastic, right. wonderful place so that you can Space explore Florida. exactly well, the bliss of the universe. Maybe in, the, maybe in between the episodes, they go to those places. They actually but do. There's no conflict, no, right? Don't. So it's not but, interesting. But I would, I would think these would be screwing them up more and i would like to see that in fact we see kind of some of it like i'm saying oh, you're turning me into you and this is a horrible experience or whatever like i i would like to see that irresistible draw of seeing space manifest in them and say well I there's mean... two sides of the same coin remember when rose was like well should i go back with my family i got my mother there i got my boyfriend or should i go travel with this wonderful she had that conflict of like should I be a nice person on Earth or should I travel with the space person? Yeah, you could see and, the, the draw. And we've seen the fallout in other cases too. Martha, for example, who just decides to leave, right? Because mm-hmm. she can't she can't yeah, deal with she, it. And so, I mean, there's no saying that we won't see that with, with Amy and Roy. Yeah. Just maybe they haven't reached their breaking point yet. Well, and I think maybe so bad when this episode looks like the breaking point to me. Because if, if this, this episode, episode is pretty far me, back. But, but I mean, we also have to remember they've already had TARDIS baby. I mean, what, what can go more <laughs> wrong than that? That Tardis baby doesn't even get a mention in the last. Well, one. he had to kill his wife in this one. His one of his wives, you know, version of his yeah. wife. So yeah, he's never actually had multiple. <laughs> Tardis baby got a mention earlier in this episode, and, and, uh, Dan. He he keeps dying <laughs> and she keeps duplicating. Yeah, and not only did he have to uh, his Tardis baby, no, he had to kill his alternate version of his wife, but he did it. Uh, due to a betrayal of the doctor, which is something we hadn't seen before. So direct. So I'm going to explicitly lie to you to make the resolution that I want to happen, even though it's not the one that you want to happen. You thought yeah, you were going to get both of them to live. The doctor lies, John. Yes. That's I know. Rule. This is, this is, this is the first episode where he's lied in such a way that you have to kill, you have to terminate. I mean, one but, of the and that was Rory, a completely brutal scene too. I mean, just, I, I saw what was coming as soon as he's standing there at the door. And yet I still found myself unable to believe that he actually did it. But Rory is not capable of making these decisions, right? He cannot, Rory cannot make that kind of decision. Clearly, the doctor's choice. He did, yeah. He had to. Well, Amy tells him not to. Amy told him to do it, yeah. So he didn't really make the decision. He always is, he's waiting for other people to tell him what to do. He's like, you know, an idiot in a time machine. I I don't know about that. (laughs) But it's endearing, Scott. I think that's overly harsh. Yeah, I, I, I feel like Rory, Rory listens to all angles and he thinks about it more than everybody right. else. And Amy is definitely the rash one. He's the moral – no, he's the moral compass, you know, of, of oddly, the companions traveling in the TARDIS. As a nurse, he should be able to make instant life and death decisions based on intuition though. That's the one thing. Like sometimes he acts like a nurse and sometimes he doesn't. I prefer when he's He was a lousy like, nurse. That's the subject. Hey, come now. Let's not insult that. Well, okay. Yeah. How many times when you're a nurse do you have to decide whether they kill your new wife or your old wife? Really? Well, like you know, that comes well, okay, up every so, day? Every, every day. day. Only in intergalactic hospitals. The beautiful thing in this episode, though, is I thought it, this is this is one of the central sci-fi premises: is the basis of consciousness. What is the what is the continuation and nature of consciousness? And if you erase someone's memories for forty years and you give them a young body, you give them a new body and you move the brain over, you duplicate them. Like there's sci-fi is full of these ideas about how you know where's the soul live what is consciousness what is um you know you know all those things and i thought this was a great examination of a of a piece of it and it's that's that's the thing i liked is she was strong in the sense of knowing that she was going to lose that entire her entire life it would not just she wouldn't just die she would no longer exist which is sort of the the horror of um of the whole arc before too the whole the universe ending in last season so here's my question. She it, It's not that she just stops existing. She never did exist. So do exactly. they remember her? Will they not well, remember that that happened? But no, they were outside. We already, we already had that episode. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah they will. To not remember. 
They can. No, they just cut her. Streams. They just cut her off. And well, she didn't. She died before her time stream disappeared. Like she chose to die at the hands of the little stupid medical robots instead of letting herself be erased. You know, yeah, but you know what I want to do? She fading away at that last shot, though. Yeah, well, they yeah, just, just injected her. Here's the thing that I want to see. I want to see a conclusion episode in which every alternate evil duplicated killed self of theirs that they've left behind shows up like this that, army of dead this, this yeah. seems army. like a very bad idea darvel's army hey look i mean look at the upside rory didn't even die in this episode <laughs> just barely. i know that's impressive instead of i mean he did get he did get bopped on the head by one of those one of those white guys um, hand bots. Effectual yes, robots. the hand bots. Yes. I, I do have to say, I really feel like the only reason the hand bots were in this episode is so that we could have a high five that kills them. Because stupid. <laughs> well, there's also you needed Wilson. You, you needed Wilson. I'm sorry, Rory in her hideaway. Yeah, is she having with sex which, with that robot? That's the question. I don't know. Where did well, she get the guys, magic marker? Guys. I'm just saying. That's mascara. the question. You see that robot? You see her? You, you just think. <laughs> She had lipstick. She had mascara. If she could find, if she could find a katana, I'm sure she could find a magic marker. That's all. I'm oh yeah, saying. that's true. The oh, that's true. Was a, a, a true going a different magic direction artifact. with that. Because <laughs> <laughs> the uh, Appalachians were uh, whatever the name of that place was. Yeah, the Appalachianis were. There we go. It's a fancy is, hillbilly word. This is another episode with. Really poorly designed, ineffectual robots. I don't understand what the point is. They, you know, they do high fives and it disables them. You hit them with a Mona Lisa and they blow up. Oh yeah, <laughs> that Mona Lisa was made awesome. That of paper. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they painted the Mona Lisa on paper, but apparently they did. Well, they, and the whole, again, budget cuts. They couldn't afford the actual museum, Mona Lisa. Museum, museum, shop, museum shop poster. I work it, uh, as a security guy, right? So you would think that. The, there are alarms going off saying, oh, you're you're an unauthorized guest, but yet you can interact with the interface that will tell you everything about the place. It doesn't make any sense. Why? I mean, they- yeah, she does get logged in, which was a little a little strange. She gets welcomed to the facility at first. Well, I think it was more. Yeah, I think it was more the, the evading of the robots. Well, it's like the, I it's mean, like the antibodies from the. Yeah. The, you know, oh, the, the, the antibodies were a lot scarier. But, you know, speaking of the antibodies, I was uh, playing. I was talking to my wife play Portal 1 recently. And I realized they ripped off that line of like, you know, you will feel tingling sensation and then death. On oh, almost, from the almost, almost from the word, yeah. <laughs> no, from like when you're going to like, don't fall into the water, you will experience uh, something rather followed by death. Was you know, it was almost phrased exactly the same way. But if you're going to rip something off, that's the place to do it. Great minds think. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. The, well, I, I, I thought the, I thought the hand bots looked a little bit like um, the design of uh, Marvin in the Marvin, motion yeah, picture yes. of mm-hmm. Hitchhiker's Guide. And although I I did like how they looked and I liked how the episode looked, I liked all the white rooms and and sort of airport empty airport terminal feelings and you know I liked how it looked, I liked how it was shot. There were some interesting uh, direction uh, and and cinematography choices. The uh, back and forth between old Amy and Rory on either sides of the TARDIS door, where it was sort of dissolved back and forth while they were talking, was really good. And there was a there were a bunch of wipes as transitions that was kind of stuff I hadn't really seen on Doctor Who before. So I really liked, in addition to the kind of emotional uh, content at the core of this episode, I really liked how it looked. Again, it was – it was the, the certain stuff didn't make sense to me, but there were lots of things about it that I really liked. Well, they, they came up with a – you thought you knew what was going to happen. You figured uh, – my assumption was, oh, old Amy has to sacrifice herself for young Amy. And that's not what happens at all. I mean she does in the end, yes, but she doesn't go willingly. 
And she says that. I mean, she says that at the beginning. She weakens. Then she wants to make a deal. And then at the door, when she figures there's no other choice, then she's willing finally to make the sacrifice. But it is hard. She is going screaming yeah. into that good night. So, and I'm like, finally, at last, somebody who isn't just, you know, the noble sacrifice. Like, she earned well, her wants to live. One of, you know? one of the things I really like about this episode is um, the – <laughs> they couch it, the doctor and Rory couch it as, well, we want to save Amy from the 36 years of what you describe as hell being here. We can save you as a younger person from having to experience this. And, and they can say that all they like, but at the core of that, and it's just clear in every moment that they're together, that old Amy and Rory are together, that what he's really doing is saying, well, of course I would prefer if you were my young wife than my old wife. Yeah. I would I would choose I would choose the one who hasn't aged. And well, I don't even think that, it's because of any weakens. Oh well, no, that's that's there. I mean, that is absolutely. How can it not be there? That that well, they. I, um, well, but he doesn't know her anymore, really, right? Well, like that's. Yeah. Not, I don't know if that's it's my age. point. My point I just, is, I think, I think it's the you know he he has a really hard time relating to this woman who's lived this thirty six years who doesn't even want her to touch him. You know when she he first shows up, right? Well, we're did. talking. He lived two thousand years and then showed up for her. So. Well, yeah, but she was always waiting point. for her. Yeah, he you know, I, I feel I feel like with with I mean, they even say it in the episode where it's like, well, I wanted to grow old with you. And the idea of losing all of those years. I mean, if you had, you know, the person you love more than anything, if you had 20 years to spend with them before they died or 50 years to spend with them before they died, you would want to naturally choose the 50 years. And I love the fact that Rory's still absolutely in love with her. I, I like the central premise of their love too, because he's a gawky, weird guy, and you know, and she's and she's a young, hottie, smarty pants with no job on earth. You know, I mean, she's so she's not like this great prize in some ways. She's just good looking, but she's really smart. And there's, but they're both they're both selfless. And they both do the right thing when called upon. And I love the fact that that her description is like you know, it's more how love actually works. I thought it was a very honest way of talking about how love actually works, how two people fall in love and stay in love rather than that, you know, a, a shallower thing about, you know, there's an attractiveness and then that's the thing that you stick with. Like, no, she's a little deeper than that and so is he and that's why she married this gawky guy. And that's he's still not there. that gawky. We he's, love not. he's not. He's not. He's TV gawky. He's, yeah. he's TV gawky. Like in real life, you'd be like, oh, wow, yeah. that guy's handsome. But he's Xander and Buffy. Yeah, that's exactly right. a little bit. Oh, now he's gawky. No. Yeah, but it's still. <laughs> but no, no, gawky he's... people on TV. No one wants to see that. You know, like, going right. back to the, the take on uh, why Rory's dilemma between the young and the old. My my feeling in all those scenes was that Rory's overwhelming feeling towards the old Amy was that he couldn't help but empathize with the things that she's gone through and blame himself for that. So he was, I would thought he was leaning towards taking the old Amy because it's like, Oh my God, look what I did. Look what she's been through. And she still right. is the person that I love, even though she's yeah. older. So I, so I didn't think he, I didn't think it was even entering his mind about, in fact, I think he was starting to toss the, the young Amy. This is the person I love and I've made her suffer so terribly. It's kind of like, you feel like you have to make amends for that or like, comfort the person or make up for your for your you know your failure previously so i thought he was going to go with the old name i mean i knew that wouldn't really happen i was kind of rooting for it in the back of my mind like <laughs> go with go with the old name right. because 
because she deserves it. She's suffered and she suffered and it's your fault and right. you feel cutting, so bad about it. Cutting it all off is kind of cheating, isn't it? I mean, yeah. the, well, by the all the rules of time travel that are supposed to be the rules, right? And the doctor, the doctor had that sort of glib response is she's not real. And I'm like, oh, come on. That's something the doctor – I actually felt the doctor's actions were rather non-genuine at the end. He pushed – he says, I'm sorry. And he lock, closes the door and locks it and he uh, – you know, he says she's not real. And it's like, well, once he's in the TARDIS, once he's done that, he's sort of pretending to sever the time stream, perhaps. But it, I thought the Doctor was out of character well, he's, many I, times. I don't know. I think I think that's an extreme decision. Keep in mind, he's already made her wait uh, before, right, when she was a little yeah. girl. I think I think the Doctor is not mm-hmm. willing mm. to do that to her again. And he will even if he has to cut off her time stream to do it. And I think I think you can even make an argument for self delusion or self convincing at that point, right? He needs to tell himself that she's not real in order, or else he's going to have a real hard time thinking about you know what he's actually done. The doctor can't succumb to guilt or bad, terrible, terrible things happen. And practically speaking, no one wants to see an old Amy for the remainder of the season. She doesn't want to wear Karen Gillan has to wear old makeup for the rest. She was the hottest fifty-year-old that you've ever seen in your entire life. She had a really neck, but the rest of her was like that was good old age makeup, though. I thought it was. It was quite well done. I got to yeah. say, I, a secret part of me was rooting for both of them to make it on the TARDIS because of that one section where she's like, yeah, I'll just pop by at Christmas and Easter. And I'm like, man, that would be a hilarious yeah. subplot to have on Doctor Who is just old, old Karen Gillum right. popping right. around the galaxy on her own. Well, you know, this reminds me a little bit of the Elizabeth Jane uh, Sladen uh, bit, like when uh, when David Tennant re-meets her. Um, and she's aged, you know, uh, Sarah Jane is aged, uh, in the episode of the, the schoolhouse there. And, um, you have an uh, age today. Yeah. And it's, and she, he's younger, right? He's even gotten younger than the last time, last incarnations probably. And it's that sad thing. It's like the doctor keeps moving on, keeps moving on. And he's met, doctors met his match and Rory and Amy because they have messed up time streams. She's the one who rebuilds the universe because she remembers he waits, Rory waits 2000 years. That's a different time stream. She waits 40 years and then is able to, but it collapses the time stream. So he's actually, I would argue they they have they have some a few different things up on him. Rory's come back from the dead eight hundred times. <laughs> I'm sorry, only fifteen, whatever it was. Yeah, but we, we haven't seen the other seven off screen. Yeah, exactly. That's right. He's killed again and again. On all of those honeymoon vacations that are off screen as well. So let me That's ask. Right. Uh, let me ask this because we we've spent a lot of time on this episode. Um, did people all in all in in balance? Did you did you enjoy it? Did you like it? I did. I, I I quite enjoyed it. I, besides, like little little things here and there, I still think it was a really interesting look at with old Amy and new Amy. And you know what? As was it Scott? Were you saying that, or was it John? Were you saying about how um how it's sort of pushing them to their breaking point about being with the doctor? Because I think that's definitely true in a way, and you really do notice it. That maybe set up of future yeah. developments. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Well, yeah, because they're they're not going to stay with the doctor forever. They never do. I mean. Well, they didn't. They keep having to get him back, right? There's been two instances so far where they're trying to signal him or he's trying to signal them. Yeah. They, they so. will have never existed. That's right. <laughs> we'll just cut off the time stream. Right. Scott, did you I, like this episode? Uh, overall, I did. I mean, Doctor Who drives me crazy with the improbable. I mean, the very, you know, premise is improbable, but then you, ex- <laughs> you accept certain things and then they just pushed a little too far. But it was saved by all the emotional stuff, I think. Emotional crap, you know, that I don't really care about. <laughs> yeah, the girls will like it. I, saw, I, I knew you were wiping away a tear there, Scott. A tear there, Scott. I can, I can oh. tell. 
You're, I you're did, in fact, find it very moving. I thought the whole the premise of it was very moving, but they didn't need the stupid uh, technology on top of it. Right. John? What do uh, you think? Yeah, so there were lots of horrible things in it, but the the two Amy's, <laughs> the two Amy's part of it, like the heart of, of the episode. I, I like episodes of Doctor Who where somebody does something horrible or something horrible happens to someone else. Like I like them. So the, the doctor, the doctor <laughs> oh, closing that door or that's pretty much Amy's, every Doctor you know, Who. Well, yeah, I want to see. I want to really feel it. So those the two Amy's there make that episode for me. I really did like her performance as the old Amy. I thought it was convincing and good and not cliched like it, there was no sort of conciliatory oh it's okay we're still buddies like she was she was cold to him she was weird she's messed up from being alone for a long time she hated the doctor right and she didn't want she didn't like I, someone pointed out before she didn't sacrifice herself or it's like no i want to live let me in the freaking tardis i'm like you know <laughs> it was all of that yeah. was good and it redeemed the episode and put it over the 50 percent mark for me all right damn 51 percent yeah <laughs> I I really like this, and in fact, I think the entire this season, which I thought started really weak, has really transformed into a much stronger, uh, you know, storyline. After with that two part, starting with the two parter, um, with the 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 baby and the re- revelations about River Song, and I thought that both this week's episode and last week's episode were really I, I enjoyed them both, and I think I'm looking forward much more to the end of this season now. And I I mean. The improbability stuff doesn't bother me as much. I'm terrible with plot holes, as anyone who's ever read anything I've written can attest. Um, <laughs> I, I just don't, I, you know, I don't think about them as much. I don't find myself worrying about them. Um, and so I am more invested in the character aspect of it. And I thought this really delivered on that. And it was nice to see an episode that was, even if it had sort of a weird premise for, you know, setting up this story, it was all about the characters, not about let's meet some random aliens and like, you know, hang out. Well, some of us missed that part of the episode, but oh, yes. when we were, we were discussing, we were trying to say it's not so much that we have the problems with the, the, the plot being full of holes and silly and stuff like that. It's that, they, it's that they wasted so much time on that stuff when this wasn't that kind of an episode. Like it, they squandered the opportunity. Like it's not it, they always it's always nonsensical and doesn't fit together, or whatever. But don't don't dwell on it and don't make it more complicated than you have to. And don't waste time when you have this good this dual Amy thing that's good. You, that should have been in more of the episode. Right. Yeah. Glenn. I wouldn't have said no to more. I I liked. I thought it had um, genuine emotional content. Trademark. Um, it was. It Certified. was. Uh, you know, I found myself engaged and weeping at the end. Openly weeping. I will say it. And um, I, I thought. I thought it had a. There was a. There was a genuineness about the, um, the about the relationships that you don't always get in any television. And I think that's something that's always fascinating about Doctor Who is the plots can be ridiculous, but they sometimes capture this perfect bit of selflessness or love or weirdness that, that other shows don't. And that's why I watch it. All right. Well, we are uh, going to uh, step away uh, for another maybe a couple of weeks. For the, I guess there are three more episodes of Doctor Who this uh, this season, so more Flash podcasts to come. Until then, I want to thank my many guests. There seem to be more of them now than when we started. It's very strange. Weird. So thanks to Glenn, I didn't exist prior to this. Thanks to Dan no. Morin. Thanks to Serenity Caldwell. Thanks to John Syracuse. And no thanks to Scott Mc- Wait a second. Thank you, Scott McDulty. Uh, until next time, uh, for the Incomparable Podcast, I'm Jason Snell. Thank you. Thank you.